You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Maybe I'm Casey. Maybe I'm Casey. Maybe I'm not. All right, very excited to have Rob Parker, FS1 family, and Fox Sports Radio family, the odd couple with Chris Broussard, 7 to 10 Eastern on Fox Sports Radio, sweeping the country. <laughs> um, and I know Rob is, I mean, you got to be super happy right now, right? Like baseball's in full swing. He was a little nervous there for a second we were going to get baseball back. And you and I haven't talked about baseball yet. But, you know, we had some had a couple ups and downs, you know, some positive tests. It's not surprising. But have you been... Have you been happy with the the quality of the play? I enjoy. First, thanks for having me on your podcast. Uh, but yes, I've been all in on the baseball. It's on my house. You know, I watch it every night, uh, or at least it's on. You know, obviously during the NBA playoffs, I'm watching the playoffs of baseball. But yeah, you know what? A couple of hiccups, but it, it hasn't been bad when you think about it. Like three teams have had outbreaks, which can happen. But for the most part, the games have continued and most teams followed the protocol and it's been good. You know what I mean? Even when they take a like situation where the Mets had a couple guys test positive and then they don't let the Yankees play, you know, just precautionary. And then, you know, when they retested the Mets, everybody was fine. So I think the baseball's handled it pretty well. What was your your preseason prediction? Obviously, a completely unprecedented season, but what was your preseason prediction? And are you sticking with that now, having seen a little bit of the the season so far? You know what? It was the Yankees and the Dodgers. They have the two best. I I know I was really going out on a limb (laughs) because both of those teams are loaded and, you know, both are playing well. And, uh, you know, I know people are expecting some sort of mystery team to come out of nowhere unexpected I just don't believe in that I still think the best team ultimately it's going to happen in the NBA and it's going to happen in baseball those teams are going to win because whenever you talk about the playoffs and playing four out of seven the chances of a fluke team getting in and winning they just aren't really great if it was one game single game elimination then all bets are off that's how I feel too, especially about the NBA playoffs, because we've had a we've had a little bit of panic in the first rounds uh, about some losses, and and I think that you know we got a little spoiled with the Warriors. The playoffs are supposed to be hard. It's okay yeah. to lose a game or two. That's why there's a series. I, I totally agree. I don't I don't know what happened to sports fans. Like like I picked the Clippers in six games, right? So they they split the first four. I'm not panicking. It doesn't matter. Like how you lose in the playoffs nobody likes how you lose but you can't get down I, I i remind people all the time on the radio the toronto raptors won the championship last year do you know they were down 0-2 to milwaukee in the eastern conference finals if, if we go by that losing a game they should have thrown the towel in the raptors and what did they do they won four straight so people get too high too low after a win or a loss just accept it it's a part of the process And uh, everything shouldn't be a four-game sweep or non-competitive for us to feel good about it. 
And I don't, I don't want sweeps. I want competitive series. I want to feel like there's some balance to the league. Like I, I wasn't one of those people that really hated the Warriors dynasty because there's always been dynasties. So it didn't bother me as much, but yeah, I, I want more basketball. Like these, these sweeps are, they're unwatchable, except for the heat. Heat sweep was wonderful. But other than that. I know that that's that homer. You're going to be a homer. <laughs> oh yeah. I love the heat sweep because I didn't have to sweat at all. You know, back in I mean, the day, it was I, great. I, it was, but I sweated out the first game. The first game of the series, I was like, we got to get the first game, like get the momentum going. So once once we got game one, I was like, all right, I, I'm I, I'm good after this. I know we're going to win this series. We'll be all right. That said, is there a team that hasn't really struggled, but there's a team that you've watched so far in the playoffs that you're like, ah, maybe I was a little too high on them. You know, a lot of people are saying that they, they said it about Milwaukee when they lost their first game to the Magic. But if you look at the, the three games since then, it's been no contest, right? I mean, I think people forget that the Bucks before the pandemic was having one of its greatest seasons. If you looked at it statistically, they were they were through the roof. I mean, Giannis, I believe, will win another MVP, according to the writers. I know everybody wanted to you know, LeBron and make for a nice story, but Giannis had an unbelievable year, and so did the Bucks. So I think they were a team people jumped off their bandwagon. People are trying to do that with the Clippers. What people aren't understanding, first of all, Luka's playing great. Give him credit. Like, he's playing great. It doesn't matter who else is there. Other guys have stepped up. And here's the other part. The Clippers haven't had Patrick Beverly which is a big part of their team. I don't know why people act like you could lose Patrick Beverly and it doesn't matter. And Paul George, you know, in the first four games, you can't play any worse. Like, seriously, (laughs) you cannot. So basically, they were playing without two of their starters because I'm saying Paul George was out there, but he was terrible and, and, and no Patrick Beverly. So a lot of people are like, oh, the Clippers, they can't win a championship. They're not that good. They're this, they're that. I'm not buying it. I'm telling you, I think that they get everybody together, play what they have to do, and, and look how deep that team is. I still think they can make a run. I think the team that has given me a little bit of pause that I was pretty high on before the playoffs started, and I'm taking into consideration that Westbrook has been out, but that's Houston. So whenever, before Westbrook got injured, I was like, I think Houston's going to give people some some actual problems. I like the way they were playing. They were playing uh, charged up because they didn't have this whole long regular season where they were trying to win the regular season championship like they do every year. But, you know, Westbrook's been out and they've been, you know, they've been struggling a little bit. Last night's game was an example of that, you know, losing to OKC. I still think that they'll win the series, but I don't think in the second round they're, it's going to be very lively for Houston. Yeah, I think I think people looked at it that way. For a minute, you know, when they were up 2-1 to one and it looked like they were steamrolling, you know, and People are like, oh, you know, they're going to be hard to tough out in the second round. And then for OKC to win a big game like that, you know, to, to even the series in a tough game. It wasn't like they just blew them out or Houston was terrible. They won a really good game. And uh, so, yeah, I, I'm not that high on Houston. I think it all depends on matchups when you talk about NBA playoffs anyway. And I think in the later round, their matchups aren't really good for them. So to me, going into the playoffs – really the bubble, but but now that the playoffs have started, you know, it's it's the games that really count. I've always felt like the pressure this year is on Milwaukee. If the Lakers make the finals, uh, okay, it's LeBron James. Not ex- not necessarily expected because, you know, no, I, but I think the Clippers you know are, what? I, I don't think that that's unfair because they had Anthony Davis and they had the best record in the Western Conference. 
So right. So if they, if they make the, the if they, favorite, right? Right. So if they make the finals, no one's going to be shocked. If they lose to the Clippers, no one's going to be shocked. You know, the, there's two great teams. Somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to lose. There's not really any like pressure other than the normal pressure of being a good team and needing to make it to the finals. How Milwaukee, however, is different. The Raptors don't have Kawhi Leonard, despite how great they're playing. Now they're, they might be without Kyle Lowry for a little bit of time. I love the Heat, but I think we're still a year away for competing for a, you know, a championship. The Celtics are still really young. They, they don't have a star like Giannis is level yet. And everyone else in the East is just, you know, just kind of just around. So to me, all of the pressure is on Milwaukee, especially because Giannis could leave after this year if they don't win. Now, he said he wants to stay there, but it's going to be a lot better and easier to say that if they make it to the finals and make some noise or win. If they don't make it to the finals, they don't even get out of the East or get swept in the, in the championship rounds, it's going to be a big problem. I think all the pressure is on Giannis. No, I agree with that from this standpoint that if the Clippers don't win, it could be like, okay, that was just their first year together. Even like when LeBron went to Miami with Dwayne Wade, right, and Chris Bosh. They didn't win the first year, so you could get away with that. Okay, you know what? We just didn't come together. Too many guys were banged up. We never really got the chemistry we wanted. So you could use that. But Giannis and Milwaukee, I agree, because last year winning the first two games of the Eastern Conference – and then losing four in a row and not going, if they don't go again, then you'll say, okay, there's not enough. Giannis had a great year. The Bucks were great all during the regular season. But when it came down to it in the playoffs, they're, they, they're a day late and a dollar short. So I think that, yeah, they would have to, Giannis would have to consider, what am I going to do? Should I stay here? Or Milwaukee has to say, we're going to sign you and go get somebody else, you know what I mean, to come to Milwaukee to play with you. So I do think the pressure's on Milwaukee because the, the window's going to close on you at some point, and you just don't want to waste great seasons like they've had. What's, uh, what's been your biggest takeaway from the bubble in general? Um, just, I, I guess, how they put, put on a television show, and it hasn't been that bad to watch, you know, with the with the fans in the background and the, the music and the announcers from each team. You know what I mean? Announcing their teams. I mean, I, I think that that's all really good. It makes it sound like that. You I, you really feel like when it's a home team that's hosting the game, the sound effects affect that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's pretty cool. Like they're cheering for good stuff that happens when the home team is winning or make a play or whatever. So I think it's been a well-done television show. Uh, you know, there's nothing. I've been covering sports for 35 years. There's nothing like going to a game and actually feeling the intensity in the crowd in the building. You know, you've been to many games like that. It's totally different. Even though you have a 70-inch TV at home, surround sound, and all the comforts, it's just not as great as being there. But I've been enjoying the bubble TV so far. I think it's really remarkable what all of the leagues have done. Like MLS, uh, they had a successful bubble. I, I didn't, I mean, not having fans there again, just did not affect the, the TV product to me at all. Uh, the NBA has been so far beyond what I expected. I mean, I, I didn't know what to expect, but I forget that there's not fans there sometimes. Just the sound and I'm just literally watching just the actual play. Like you said, the announcers, I actually like the virtual fans. At first I was like, eh, this is kind of corny. But now I think it's it's cute. Like it, it does add an extra visual element 
for everyone and they show people, you know, when they're watching it. Baseball, you know, there's nothing you can do about a big empty park. Like you can't cover the entire right. entire park, but you know, these guys are going out there competing and holding each other accountable as far as, you know, following the the COVID-19 measures and, you know, getting through the season. It was an ugly start obviously arguing back and forth with, you know, the owners and players, but they figured it out. NFL's had no tests so far. I, I think I, I'm just actually blown away, and maybe my expectations were so low because the you know our, our the government situation has been such a disaster right. throughout all of this that you know maybe my bar was low. But I'm so impressed with everything that the commissioners, the leagues, and the players have been able to do through this. I, I agree. It's been amazing to be able to put it together. I, I'm against college football being played only because they're kids, they're not professionals, and I just I teach at USC. We I'm teaching virtually and online. And if the kids can't, the, the football players are part of the student body. If the kids can't go to class. Football players shouldn't be on campus practicing for football. Something's wrong with that picture. And you you've seen you know college campuses can really be an issue. But the only thing I'm going to question and I wonder about uh, as we move forward, like the NFL and whatnot, I just wonder. Like, are these independent tests, you know, same thing with the college. Some college players came out. I think Florida State said that he, a player said he tested positive and they didn't report it, you know, and, and whether or not the schools, you know, because it's a conflict of interest. You're trying to get a product on and co- collect your TV money, right, from the networks. So are you really, who's administering the test, how accurate the tests are? Joy, that's the only part that I, I wonder about. When I keep hearing like there no, you know, no, no positive test. I think for the professional level, uh, there's just too much at stake, PR wise, um, and and also just lawsuits and everything else. I mean, you have players' unions that can come together and and sue if that, you know, if that happens. College players don't have that ability. So if you know, if that were to happen at the NFL level, you know, all the players could come out and be like, well, this isn't what we agreed to. So now, you know, these are the repercussions of that. Right. I couldn't, I, I couldn't imagine the the professional leagues doing that for for a multitude of reasons. But for college, I mean, also, and also because, like, what's the point? If a guy tests positive, he's out for two weeks. You put his replacement in. It's no different than him, you know, tweaking an ankle or anything else. There's no need to put everybody in the entire season at risk for you know a two week quarantine situation. You know, would that that's just too much. College, however, I, I I agree. There was just too much going on. I'd love to see them come up with a plan that worked, but I think there needed to be a couple things that happened with college this year in order for them to play. Which one, obviously, we have we have no control over this situation at this point. Like every state is still doing something different. There's no unified messages on masks. There's no unified messages on on business openings and travel. Like everyone's doing their own thing. So the problem is there's no commissioner of college football, which which I think is a travesty. It's a billion dollar business. There's got to be somebody well, because all of these conferences make so much money that they won't listen to anybody. I mean, think but about- it's a, he doesn't have to be the czar, you know. <laughs> he doesn't have to make the final decision, but you got to have somebody who who is a is a, is a voice who is bringing everybody to the table, who's having the tough conversations and holding people accountable. I think. The other thing that had to happen this year, which was never going to happen because there would be a ripple effect for this moving forward, because how do you back off of this once you do it, which is you have to separate football from the rest of rest of the campus and the, and, and the athletics. Like you just make too much money. There's too much going on. You have to treat the, the, the football athletes like they're professionals. Like that's just all there is to it. And, and this is a perfect example of why. 
the football programs bring in so much money to these schools and they fund all of the other athletic programs. So you just can't treat them the same as everyone else. The, the, the numbers it, don't add up. No, I, I get that. But I think this is where the schools and, and this is the problem I have. Prior to college football taking off and getting the TV deals, they used they used to the colleges used to fund the other programs. They've decided that they don't want to, you know what I mean, and it has to come out of the football budget. That's not how it was. It, they used to actually have money, and they've now taken the responsibility away. So as soon as anything happens to football, they say, "Oh well, we don't have money for that." That that's not true because. The college football programs weren't always subsidizing, you know, women's softball and and field and golf, you know, and all that. Those were all a part of the budgets. And these same schools who are now crying that they don't have money and they lost on their sports programs have huge endowments sitting there, you know, of money. And they cry broke. So so I get it with the college football. And the reason that they don't want to do that, because once you do that you're basically admitting that these football players are employees of the university and are not students. And then there you are, and you're going to open up a, a different can of worms and you're going to have to wind up paying these guys. So I'm with you. I, I get it. They are different. You're treating them differently than the student body, but then you're going to have to compensate them because they're university workers. Speaking of money, you are, uh, Colin always talks to you about <laughs> this. You are, you are a known What's the what's the term that you like he, to use? He says frugal. He calls me the frugal. most sports writer on the country. You are very frugal. You do some out some things I find outlandish, like you bring your own tea bags to <laughs> the airport. It just seems like a lot. Does that um, seem like a lot? Would you rather pay four dollars, Joy, for a cup of tea? Well, a tea I don't bag really costs like three cents. See, coffee I'm willing to pay a lot for because uh, well, I'm a coffee drinker, so I'll drink a, a cheap free cup of coffee. It's not going to bother me. I'm not like a coffee snob. Like I have to have my mocha, flat vanilla latte, frappuccino. Um, I mean, I like them, but like if, if I'm going to buy that, I'm willing to pay for it. Like it's, there's a certain way that it needs to be made. However, so if I drink tea, I probably would bother to do that because, you know, that's a lot of money for a cup of hot water. Because <laughs> that, that's what it is. Let's just be honest. It's not like a... a, a like you said, like a Starbucks where you got all the stuff they add in it, and it has to be right to taste right. This right. is just really all I have is a cup of hot water with a tea bag and two Splendors. That's it. There's nothing, you know, miraculous about it. I, I want to be in this tea business. I wish I could just have a tea stand and sell $4 <laughs> tea, you know, that cost me $0.08 cents with the cup and make $3 in uh 82 cents it's, or 92 cents. You know what I mean? It's a good profit margin. That's very good. Well, thanks so much, Rob. It was, it was great to have you on the podcast. Really appreciate it. And uh, again, you can watch The Odd Couple with Rob Parker and Chris, or listen to The Odd Couple with Rob Parker and Chris Broussard, 7 to 10 on Fox Sports Radio and catch him on FS1 all the time. Uh, congrats on the show and uh, everything that's going on. And congrats on the car. It's a great well, goal achieved. I appreciate it, Joy. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you on the herd. With it. With it. With it. With it. We about to turn up in this bitch. What up, hello? What's going on in Wither Quit It this week? What's up, Joy? We got some good stuff. We got some uh, some Fox family business. Let's get into this. Uh, our guy, Emmanuel Acho, has been shaking things up with his digital series, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. The most recent episode, a two-parter, 
featured none other than, drum roll please, Commissioner, NFL Commissioner, Roger Goodell. It was a great conversation. Y'all should definitely check out both parts uh, anywhere you watch anything. Uh, one thing that was clear to me from watching it, Joy, there is no separation between politics and sports. Wit it or quit it. Wit it. Wit it. And you know what? Uh, I thought I thought Roger Goodell came across as very human For in, sure. the, uh, in the conversation. You know, I'm a generally pretty angry, uh, no-nonsense person. But yeah. I have found that having conversations with people uh, that I care about can actually, you know, plant seeds and, and make change what, with whatever it is. You know, every, every conversation is not about race. You know, you have conversations about uh, sexism and abuse. And there's, there's, there's a whole spectrum of things that you have to have uncomfortable conversations with other people about. Yep. And uh, and maybe you know something more about it than the next person. So cool. Like, I'm glad that Goodell said it. I'm glad he said what he said about Kaepernick. I'm glad he said what he said about players kneeling. But my biggest takeaway from the whole conversation was, yeah, all all these people who are upset and triggered about social justice conversations and equality and politics in sports man, I've got really bad news for you. It is not going anywhere. So buckle up for the long haul, buddy. It's going to be a very long trip. It's not going anywhere. Uh, Because of course, like look at what we're dealing with in this country. Look at what's happening in history right now. Pandemic, social justice conversations, protests. It's an election year. So I'm sorry to tell you guys, I know you guys are losing your collective minds, not really, because you're just watching sports like the rest of us, pretending that you're not, but that's a different conversation. It's not going anywhere. It's gonna be in your face for as long as it needs to be. And here's why, here's why. Because I know people keep talking about like, why is there politics and sports? And, And just to be clear, politics and social issues are not the same thing. Now, of course, when you want to get to policy, which politicians politic to get to happen, then that's a different conversation. But talking about social issues, like saying Black Lives Matter and MAGA are the same thing would imply that there's, there's there's a candidate who's running under the, you know, the catchphrase, the campaign slogan, Black Lives Matter. There's not. So there's just a MAGA is for a particular candidate and Black Lives Matter is an organization and a saying that uh, pushes for equality, right? Which is two right. different things entirely. So I just want to make both, sure that everybody knows sayings, that. They're both sayings. So they're I can sayings. see how it's confusing. They're both sayings. They're, people say them both. People say them both. So both that's people, tough. But yeah, they've been said by here. people, but they come from different places. One is right. actual politics. And one is social issues. So I know I have to break things down very slowly for people, but I just want to make sure that everyone thinks about these things before they say them, because there's not a whole lot of that going on. That said, said, if you are really angry about social justice or social issues or politics in sports, then it's gone to the point for me, because I hear this every day. You're, You're just in one of these categories. You're not a sports fan. You're just not like you're just somebody who feels like weighing in on the situation uh, because you want to have an opinion about something, but you're not an actual sports fan. So you have to be in one of these categories. You're not a sports fan. You're lazy. You're unintelligent, which is which is very harsh to say. But like 
they're just they're just some unintelligent people out there and you might be one of them you can fix that you can fix all these things i'm about to say but um you're not a sports fan you're lazy which means you are a sports fan you're just too lazy you're unintelligent which means you might be a sports fan but you're not intelligent enough to know that history exists which is possible or you're that dreaded word that nobody wants to be and nobody wants to be called because it labels you forever as a trash person starts with an r not going to say it because i know it's going to get all you snowflakes very excited but you have to fall in one of those categories and i'm going to break down for you why before you start freaking out just let just hear me out for like a couple more minutes because I, I really have just a couple things to say it's gonna clear it up for you i promise mm -hmm. i don't mean to insult you but like here's why you have to be one of those things sports literally would not exist without the involvement of social issues wouldn't exist slow down don't start panicking yet since the dawn of organized competition in this country social issues have been involved there's been a tie to race gender age religion sexual orientation etc all of those are social issues it's not just race we're talking about here Yep. So I'm gonna break it down level for you further, right? Because everyone keeps talking about how, why are athletes talking about social justice issues? They just need to go play sports. There's no place for social justice issues and politics and sports. Okay, remember those four categories I, I named earlier? Here's, here, I'm gonna start to explain why you have to fall into one of those. Jesse Owens, pretty famous guy, pretty involved with politics and race and social issues. That was a long time ago. Have you heard of, Jackie Robinson, pretty significant athlete. I think he wears number 42, and I know that because once a year, all the players wear his number to honor him. All of them. Go ahead. If you don't know, if you don't know why, you can stop being lazy and go read. It's free. All this information is free on the internet. Jackie Robinson. That's what all right, let's get let's get a little more wild. How about Billie Jean King? Pretty significant contributions to the sports community. Had a couple ties to social issues. Arthur Ashe, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Russell, Jim Brown. How about one that I always love to reference because people love to put his quotes up and talk about he's the greatest and what an inspiration Muhammad Ali was, right? Muhammad Ali would have driven you, the person who's pissed about the involvement of social issues in this country. Absolutely crazy. You would be pulling your eyelashes out with the things that he was saying. If you don't believe me, go YouTube it. You can solve this problem for yourself. You can educate yourself. It costs nothing but your time and energy, which you should put into this because you sound literally dumb. He was against yep. the Vietnam War, right? Which most of the country at that time supported. But pretty significant. Uh, what else did he do? Let's say uh, uh, he didn't have very nice things to say about white people. Okay. Uh, he was against the president. He was a member of the nation of Islam. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, these are not things that are, probably maybe make you feel comfortable me saying them. And he was proudly talking about how he yep. felt about all these things. He was kept from playing his sport. He made the ultimate sacrifice of, of, of giving up his ability to play the sport, to stand up for what he believed in. Now he's a legend. At the time, you would have hated him. 
And you know what else you would have done? You would have told him to stay in his lane and play sports and stop talking. You know why I know that? Because that's what they were doing at that yeah. time. Now he's regarded as a hero because he stood up for what he believed in. Again, back to the beginning of this conversation. That was a long, long, long time ago. It's 2020. All right. Yep. These are things that happened decades and decades and decades and decades ago. Okay. How about let's go back to 1968, right? Since you guys are always freaking out about the national anthem protests. Um, John Carlos <laughs> Tommy Smith at the Olympics during the national anthem. That was 1968. It's 2020. Eight members of the all black cheerleading squad for Brown refused to stand for the national anthem before a game with Providence College, saying the flag no longer represented them. Guess what year that was, Heller? 1973. Uh, 1973. Okay, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. That was 1996. He refused to stand for the national anthem. Okay, all these things don't apply to you, right? Like you don't care about what you don't care about what these black people are protesting about. You don't care about uh, race and social issues in this country when it when it comes to race. Fine, I'll throw one at you, Karens. How about Catherine Switzer? Catherine Kathy Switzer. You like to go on a nice jog, right? Sometimes you like to register for a 5K, get a little get a little sprint in. You know why you can do that, Miss White Lady listening to this right now? Because Catherine registered under KB Switzer for the Boston Marathon, where they did not let women run, where men tried to physically drag her ass off of the pavement. They couldn't. She ran through it. That was a long time ago. When was that? That was so long ago. You have to realize that every single part of sports in this country is tied to social issues in one way or the other, unless literally you're a straight white man. Other than that, the only reason that you have sports look the way that they do, the only reason you as a woman of any color can participate in any sport in this country is because somebody at some point didn't listen to someone telling them keep social issues out of sports. So instead of sitting around and complaining, instead of sitting around saying that, oh, uh, everything's fine for everyone, just, just keep things how they are. Stop disrupting everything. Stop making everything such a big deal. Well, somebody on your behalf, although you're too bothered to remember them, did that for right. you so that you can go out and register in that 5K. Or you can go out and run in the Boston Marathon as a woman. That didn't always happen. And the only reason it did happen, the only reason why you can go play tennis, the only reason why your daughter can go play softball, the only reason why your daughter can go get a volleyball scholarship and, and be treated as an equal on her campus when she goes away to school is because someone didn't listen to you, the person who's yeah. telling them, don't talk about social issues in sports. There is no such thing as a separation between social issues and sports. It's always existed. And the reason why is because human beings play sports, not robots. And human beings deal with social issues. Basketball players have to pay taxes. They have to abide by the laws of this country. If the police pull them over, they have to pull over. They are not exempt from that just because they play basketball. Not yeah. to mention the fact that their family members don't play basketball who look like them, who could deal with the same issues that we're talking about. So at the end and of the day- dealt with those issues. Right, right. But if it's too Correct. far removed for you to imagine that a millionaire could ever have a problem with anything in this country that we're talking about, then just imagine that maybe their family members do. But a step further is where I'm always trying to go because people can't relate or care or empathize with anything unless it directly involves them. So right. just remember, yeah. right? Just remember, there was a time when black men couldn't play baseball. There was a time when black men couldn't play football. 
There was a time when women couldn't participate in sports, when women couldn't run in the Boston Marathon. There was a time when women could, did not get paid equal pay to play tennis, yeah. okay? And the reason why all those things happened is because they weren't listening to people like you. And if that makes you uncomfortable, it should, because you're part of that problem. Those people fought on your behalf. And rather than being respectful of that, you're just saying, well, that should have never happened. I shouldn't be allowed to run the Boston Marathon as a woman because some woman, Kathy Switzer, put herself on the line to make sure that I could do that. And now I don't care about that anymore. And I, even as a white man, like a white straight man, you're like, okay, none of this applies to me. Maybe you have a daughter, maybe you have a, a little cousin, maybe you know someone, yeah. maybe you know a woman or a little girl who's great at sports and wants to get a scholarship so she can you know, pay for her college through softball or whatever it is that she does. That can only right. happen because someone was willing to involve social issues in sports. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. For sure, and if you are that straight white man, for example, myself, you know, uh, empathy is always a good place to start, and uh, today or even tomorrow is is a great time to start being on the right side of history. So come sure. come along. That was for the so ride. sweet. <laughs> that was so sweet and a great, very nice um, bow to put on my raging rant, Heller. <laughs> I, I, my only thing about empathy is like, that's too much to ask these days. So, so right. you're absolutely yeah. right. Being empathetic well, is a great place to start. I'm, ask, I'm asking for it. Maybe it's my white privilege talking, but I'm <laughs> asking for it. It doesn't seem that hard. And, and there's a lot of good stuff in there. And another person that I thought about just quickly when you were going through all of this is think about the impact that Magic Johnson uh, had on HIV and AIDS understanding and research in the United States. And he, that's a great example of someone, they probably would have rather him not do that, but he said, you know what, this is my platform and I'm gonna use it. And man, did it, it, it bring it home and make it serious for a lot of people and make a real impact. So Absolutely. you're right, it's not, it's not just about race. It's, it's not about politics, it's about people. Uh, and sports, you know, everyone likes to say that sports is a reflection of the real world. And so, you know, it's important, like you said, to remember that it's humans in sports too. But also people always say to me, I watch sports to escape. That's true. We all watch sports to escape. But yeah, the, the, problem, uh, the problem with that statement fundamentally is this. Yeah. You're watching human beings who have earned that platform, right? So while it sounds nice, oh, I wa I'm watching sports to escape. Okay. Well, it's not go the movies. Wa go, go watch a movie then. Go watch a television show. Go watch something that's scripted for your comfort. But when right. human beings are doing their job and they have a platform, they are entitled to use that platform, whatever it is that, that they've earned. And, and also, yeah. they, they have the right to try and make the world a better place for people like them or people that they know, or, or guess what? Yeah. Maybe not even for people that will ever, they will ever meet or see, right? right? Okay, so, so while it sounds cute, like, you don't own sports. Like you don't have some sort of ownership over that space. My fantasy players. Just, that's just not how it works. So it sounds nice. And yes, we all watch sports for an escape, but that's just not- I can't not believe you got hurt and ruined my fantasy team. It's not reality. Listen, and it sound ridiculous. It's just, it's not reality and it's never been reality, which is why if you, if you keep saying that, again, you are either unintelligent, lazy, you're not a sports fan, so you have no knowledge of anything that I just said, 
or you're that dreaded word that you don't want to be called. But that's just all there is to it. Because the fact is, if you're an actual sports fan, then you're very well aware that social issues, not just race, right? There's, there's, there's a whole spectrum of issues that affect our society have a literally always, always been a part of sports. Always. There's never been a right. moment in sports where it hasn't been directly tied. Title IX, directly tied to sports and society. That's just how it works. So if you say it, you have to be in one of those categories. So pick the one you, you feel most comfortable being in because that's just what it is. Okay, get, get with it or get lost. Period. All right, guys. All right, here we go. Um, the playoffs have been amazing despite missing one key ingredient. No, I'm not talking about the fans. I'm talking about the unstoppable greatness of the Curry, Durant, Green, Thompson, Warriors, Iguodala. I forgot Iguodala. I forgot Livingston. They're both on there. Since the first round moved to seven games in 2003, only four teams, including the 2017 Warriors, have swept the first round of series on their way to the chip. It's rare, but became standard thanks to the greatest team ever assembled, the Golden State Warriors. Joy, the Warriors ruined basketball fans' expectations. Would it or quit it? Quit it. They're responsible. They're responsible for this ridiculous, these outbursts of panic. I know it's the cute thing to do is panic these days, but this helps no one. Look, yeah, chill out. The, the Warriors created this space and environment where we just knew they were going to be in the finals. We knew they weren't going to struggle through the playoffs. And it was just a pre-programmed situation from the beginning of the season until now, right? Well, that's not the situation anymore. And before that, you know, there used to be some basketball played in the playoffs. So <laughs> let's just be comfortable with that. You're not supposed to sweep Wait, everyone gosh. every round of the playoffs. Everyone's freaking out about the Clippers. Like, Chris Stapps is not playing for two games, all right? And, and, and listen, shout out to Luca. Unbelievable oh. performance. Love the dude, okay? But if he didn't make that unbelievable, impossible shot, they're down <laughs> to the Clippers. Like, calm down. This is going to be okay. You're allowed to lose right. some games in the playoffs. Everyone's freaking out about the Blazers and the Lakers. Like, Doug, the Lakers are going to win this series. Calm right. down. And there's, there's no home court. So there's that no has to be factored as well. There's no travel, Okay. There's there's a, there's an unprecedented situation with the time off now through the through the play-in games or whatever you want to call them seeding right. games and, and now through the playoffs. It's there's a, there's a mental aspect like everyone just calm down. The Blazers are not going to beat the Lakers in a seven-game series. All right, neither neither is the Thunder. All right, certainly not not the Mavs. And I and I think that the Mavs are, are have played unbelievable basketball. Luka's been incredible. He is playing on one leg. He is not him going to beat the Clippers in a seven-game series. It's okay. You can you can send this exact clip to old take. Uh, cold take exposed. You can Follow send them. this. You can send this clip to them. Okay. Everyone, just calm down. It's okay to lose some games in the playoffs. All right. Now you start talking about uh, you know getting swept. Like that's unacceptable. All right. right. But. The Clippers are going to be fine. All the great teams, they're going to be okay. It's all right if they lose some games. The Warriors ruined this for fans. Now there's this expectation that if you are a championship-level team, you're supposed to sweep everyone through the first round of the playoffs. Can we just enjoy some extra basketball? I mean, we haven't had sports for five months. Uh, you, just, to spice, just so I can troll a little bit and we can spice this up a little bit, you think that the Thunder can't beat the Rockets? No, I think that they can, but my expectation is that Houston will still win this series. 
Um, uh, I'm willing to bet on it. I'm not willing to bet on it, but uh, but I feel comfortable about it. That's how that's how wanna... I'm not I'm not willing to bet on it. But like the Clippers and the Lakers are going to be fine. All right, yeah, yeah, for sure. the Rockets, like they don't have Westbrook. Okay, Clippers are going to be fine. The Lakers are going to be fine. I still believe the Houston will be fine. I won't be shocked, but like even if they do beat them in a seven game series, like, they are going right. to get swept. The Thunder will get swept right. in the next right. round. Right. So like everyone just calm down. Let's enjoy some extra basketball. The Warriors have ruined it for everyone. I mean, You're not supposed to sleep everyone all the way to the championship. I mean, I'd put some lemon pepper wings on the uh, <laughs> Thunder if you want to. I'm willing to put I'm willing to put some lemon pepper wings on the Rockets. I'm willing to okay. go that far. Okay. All right. Only a twenty piece. Excellent. Let's not get crazy. What's that? Only oh, a twenty oh, piece. That's- that's that's more than enough. I'll probably yeah. split it up a little bit at that point. I don't know if I need twenty lemon pepper wings. I'll probably find another flavor at that point. But uh, what is it? There's there's a couple other. There's a Louisiana rub. There's a couple other ones you could toss in there. But uh, yeah. but yeah, I feel good about it. Hey Donnie, what's going on? High key, low key this week. What's up? All right, high key, Joy. You've been saying this for a minute now. The argument over whether or not the process worked for the Sixers is over. And now, fresh off of a first round sweep and the firing of Brett Brown, it feels more over than ever. Low key, could Philly just be a splashy hire away from firing up the hype train once again? Oh, 100%. Hi, uh, yeah. High key. High it feels key, like that's what they're going to do. Uh, Philly yes. loves, they love to, to, to pitch us with something interesting, different. Yeah. We're on to something. You know, the process was a really catchy nickname. It was mm-hmm. it was interesting, you know. Got us hooked for a little while. Everyone's trying to say after they fired Sam Hankey, the process was over. No, that's not the point of the process. It wasn't to get to the playoffs and win a, uh, a playoff series. The purpose, yeah. okay, of every competitive organization is to win a championship which you guys are nowhere near doing because you just got swept in the first round. Now, listen, I'm not unaware that Ben Simmons was not available. However, injuries happen, so it can't always be something, right? Y'all not winning championships. This is clearly not working. It's not not just me. It's not a hot take that I have that this whole process has been a failure. Like, I'm sorry, you can't sit here and tell me that tanking has worked and all of this uh, process has worked when you're doing the exact same thing that organizations that haven't tanked have done, which is make yeah. it to the playoffs and do nothing. <laughs> so you, you can't pitch me on that. Like it's the purpose of tanking has to be so that you can get into a situation to win a championship. Otherwise, why do you need to do that? Just be a normal a organization and build over time and and be in a, situa- be in a situation to get free agents and, and keep your fans entertained and stay in the mix. But you tanked. You you had people going to these these awful games. You you weren't afraid to take their money. But now you're trying to tell yeah. me that it was it was actually a success and, and it actually wasn't a colossal failure. Nope, it was a massive failure. If you didn't win a championship, it's a massive failure because there are teams that don't tank, that stay competitive, who build organizations mm-hmm. the right way, who develop young players, who hire the right coaches and and put money into their facilities and into their staff. And they bring in stars, and they make good off-season moves and acquisitions, and they make it work. So, no. It's a colossal failure. It should be looked at as a failure. I don't think it's all Brett Brown's fault. I don't think it's any one particular person's fault. And I don't think that, that Joel yeah, Embiid and Ben Simmons effort. are bad players either. They're incredibly talented players. It's just this whole situation did not work. They got swept in the first round. That's a, that's a, that's a complete embarrassment. 
matter which way you look at it. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. even if you had lost in the first round, right? Make it competitive. You get swept first yeah. round. It's ridiculous. So it's embarrassing and it, it didn't work. Can't tell me otherwise. All right, high key. The NBA playoff bubble hasn't been kind to some of the game's top secondary stars. I know that's an oxymoron, top secondary, but you know what I mean. I'm talking about Paul George, Porzingis, Russell Westbrook, Chris Middleton. All have had their share of struggles, whether it be injuries or poor shooting or both. Low-key, it's depth and scoring off the bench that's been the difference maker for teams that are coming away with the W. 100%. And that's what's really kind of crazy because normally in the playoffs, it's really about stars. And look, I'm not going to get crazy. It's still the first round. It's going to eventually become about the stars. But it's usually about the stars early, right? So mm-hmm. people talk about depth all the time. You're like, oh, like depth's cute, depth's cute, but depth really matters in the regular season. Depth doesn't matter that much in the postseason because you're not really going to the, you know, all the way down your bench. Like you're not counting on the, the last guy on the bench to be a contributor in the playoffs, which is true. But in this particular situation in the bubble, you don't have home court advantage. You don't have the travel. Right. So the, there's just a lot of different factors that are making the game and the strategy for the game differently. Different. And yeah, Paul George has been been really bad. He's been he's been bad. <laughs> Chris Middleton's finally starting bad. to get it together, but like through the first three games, he was averaging eleven points. That ain't gonna cut it at yeah. all. Russell Westbrook's nah. out with a quad injury. Chris Stapps out again, missed two games. So yeah, and listen, yep. like injuries are injuries. You can't plan for them, but it's it's still a reality. Like it's been on the main guy. Anthony Davis yeah. wore it too for the first game, and then he got it together. Anthony's been been playing great since then, but. Yeah, the bench, the Raptors, I mean, Kyle Lowry went out, bench scored 100 yeah. points, <laughs> set an NBA record. So, yeah, the second guy has not really been where it's at in this particular playoff run outside of Anthony Davis. They're going to need to get it together in the next round because that, that just is, is not going to cut it as you continue to move through the playoffs. And Chris Middleton, pressure's on oh, you, man, buddy. Because you know what? He just did a nice thing. He 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 did. He said, you know, it's yeah. there's other ways you can contribute. Because you know, you had two points and uh, 17 rebounds, <laughs> but two points that ain't gonna cut it in yeah. the playoffs. So in the regular that's season, not you good. can have a game like that. Playoffs, that's this is not gonna work. Yeah, two points is not enough. All right, high key. The NBA draft lottery is over. The order is set, and the speculation begins. Low key, no matter what some anonymous scout has to say, the youngest ball brother is a star in the making. Yes, I've been saying this. Duh. This is not new. First of all, Lamelo is already a star, so it's it's not an, it's not a debate about whether or not he will be a star. He already is a star. He already has a bigger yep. social media presence than some NBA organizations. So that's not even a question. As far as the baggage that comes with Lamelo, like we haven't heard a lot from Levar Ball recently, obviously, because why would we? Uh, Lonzo right. played terrible in the bubble, and Lamelo is getting ready for the NBA draft. And I don't, not sure what Jello's doing, but this is what it is. Like they signed with Rock Nation Sports. Mm-hmm. He's he's staying low key. He's mm-hmm. he's going to be a part of his son's life. Like that's that is what it is. They've got other agents. They've they've completely restructured since you know the disaster that happens with their yeah. partner with Big Ballerbrand. Like it's a different situation now. None of that matters when it comes to whether or not Lamelo Ball can play basketball, which he can. All of the things that everyone's saying uh, is so great about Luca. Oh, Luca! Luca's been playing overseas against grown men since he was 13. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So why checking those is that boxes, a negative? Right. Like, why is that a bad thing that Melo's been doing that? Can you make that make sense? Because it's the, the what? Huh? And listen, I, listen, Luca 
fucking unbelievable. All right. Like superstar <laughs> game of his life yeah. the other day. Like he is already mm-hmm. in the pantheons of basketball history is Luka Doncic, which he deserves to. He's been, he's, he's an unbelievable player. I love Luka, but let's just keep the same energy across the board. Can we? Lamelo has been playing against grown men. He has traveled. Yeah. He has played against pros. Whether you want to call the go from the JBA all the way over to when he was in, in the European leagues and then over over to Australia, the issues with Lamelo is going to be: Can he shoot? Is he mm-hmm. willing to play defense and develop his defensive game? And is he going to be able to be a part of an organization and be the face of an organization? I think the face of the organization thing is easy. Obviously, he's very young, so he's continuing to mature and get older. That doesn't that doesn't always. Uh, working as a plug-and-play situation, although I I think it will with LaMelo because he's a lot more mature than people are giving him credit for. Is he going to be able to shoot? Well, that depends on the organization. Do you develop young players? Right. That's that's not always on the player. You know, you you do spend a lot of time with these guys. So will he be able to shoot and will he play defense are two questions that are are fair. That's going to take some development and time. But as far as him being a star, that's that's check. That box is already checked. Check. Yeah, that's already happening. Is LaMelo a star? Check. Uh, has he played Happy. against professional grown men for the last three years? Check. Which is not a problem for Luca, okay. so let's just keep the same energy. Check. Okay. Is he going to be able to shoot? Well, he's a scorer, but can he shoot in the in, in the NBA? That's going to depend on what organization he goes to. They develop young players. Boom. Defense? Well, there's lots of guys who don't play defense. <laughs> so how important is that to you? <laughs> yeah, that's not the end-all be-all. In LaMelo Ball. I mean, I don't know. We'll find out, okay? That's a question mark. But the other three are going to depend on where he goes, and the top two are already done. So uh, he's, a, he's a star. I know everyone gets terrified with the, the ball name, but um, look, it just it is what it is. I've seen, I've seen this kid play for years now, and he, he has whatever that it is, he has it. Man, I'm, uh, the Pistons are picking number seven, so it seems like we're out of the ball sweepstakes, but I'm hoping we can pull off some draft day miracle and see him in that red, white, and blue in Detroit because uh, we're in need of some star power, especially at the point guard position. I wouldn't mind him in Detroit. Fingers crossed. Hey, T, what's going on in the Culture Report this week? Hey, Joy. So I'm a Batman fan, so I've been waiting for this trailer, and it's finally here. Robert Pattinson as Batman, Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, girl Colin Farrell as the Penguin. We're also getting the Riddler. We're getting them all at the same time. So this is going to be epic. It comes out next year, and I can't wait. I really think Robert Pattinson will nail Batman. Do you agree? So I wasn't originally sure, although he's really good at dark characters. I wasn't sure because I'm so attached to the Christian Bale Dark Knight series mm-hmm. Batman. Like I wasn't, I was a Batman fan, but I always was like, eh, like I don't really do Batman right until the Dark Knight series. And now I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, like now I get Batman completely. Like Batman, Batman is an anti-hero, right? He's not Superman. He's not pure. Uh, you know, you can kind of question his intentions and stuff like that from time to time. So I really love Batman now, and Batman has great villains. But the trailer, oh my god! I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm in now. Like if it's if it's anything like the trailer is presenting, I'm in because it looks hype. Like it looks like it does everything that the Dark Knight did in a in a just an updated version. And I, I'm all in on Robert Pattinson. Zoe Kravitz, I'm here for it. I loved it. I'm hyped. <laughs> I love I it too. Wait. I wasn't sure, but I've seen the trailer. I'm like, nope, I'm ready. <laughs> we, do you agree that I like I like Christian Bell's voice? 
Like his voice did it for me. Yeah, he did. But it was also just like Christian Bale is such a great actor and the villains were incredible. Obviously, Heath Ledger, Bane as uh, or, yeah. Heath Ledger, uh, Tom Hardy as Bane. So, like, as long as the villains are as good as they were in The Dark Knight, we're good. Yeah, I agree. Well, another trailer that dropped was Wonder Woman 1984 with Gal Gadot. She's so beautiful, and so is Chris Pine. So um, I saw that Kristen Wiig is going to be playing the villain. I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing the movie. Uh, I like the first one, so I feel like I like this one too. But Kristen Wiig, though, in, as a villain, um, she's super funny to me. But Joy, I cannot unsee her in Bridesmaids. My eyes just won't let me. <laughs> Nevertheless, I'm excited to see it anyway. <laughs> um, no, I, so I wasn't sure. I was excited for this back when the just when the poster came out for. Wonder Woman. So Gal Gadot did an incredible job as Wonder Woman. I loved the first one. Chris Pine's incredible in it. Um, I do think that Kristen Wiig's going to take a little bit of adjusting because we do all look at her as a comedian, but she looks like she can, she fully went into this character. I'm here for it. I know Gal Gadot is going to kill it. And I'm glad that Chris Pine is back because, you know, Mm -hmm. we thought he was done for. (laughs) We thought he was maybe come maybe come back from the dead, right? So I'm here for that. So I, I thought the trailer was great. I'm definitely excited for it. We're covering three trailers today, and the, uh, in in order of like my excitement, it was Batman, Wonder Woman, and now we can get to the last one. <laughs> Okay, so the official teaser dropped for uh, Black Adam starring The Rock, Um, and this is coming at the right time. I think it's so important to see Black representation in these types of movies, and The Rock is super talented, so I mean, it makes sense why he's like one of the world's, he's actually the world's highest paid actor. He's super talented, so I'm really excited to see this movie. Um, I guess it comes out like the end of next year, but I can't wait. I love The Rock. I love The Rock, too. And I'm a fan. I just don't know what's going on in this trailer. Like, what is, what is, I've never heard of this character before. So I'm like, okay, this is exciting new character, but I was Mm -hmm. expecting more from, from the teaser. Like, I I don't know, I guess I just was expecting more. So I didn't know what to expect, but whatever I was expecting, I did not get. So hopefully the actual trailer is uh, more explanatory for us, like uh, semi nerds. Um, but I'm sure it's going to be great. The rock crushes everything that he does. So I'm looking forward to the actual trailer because the teaser in order of these, like Batman, Wonder Woman, Black Adam, I was like, oh, okay. I still don't know what's going on. (laughs) I know the rock's in it and he's going to have big muscles and beat a bunch of people up, but I don't know what's going on. So I'm looking forward to the actual trailer. Uh, and I'm sure it'll be great when it comes out. I'm sure it will be too. All right. So Joe Biden picked Kamala. Harris and her name is pronounced Kamala. Kamala Harris. Kamala. For those listening. Kamala <laughs> as his running mate. Um, I, I was a little shocked, like a lot of people, because she did destroy him at the Democratic debate. But you know what? That's neither here nor there. Um, if Biden's president, she'll make history by being the first black and South Asian woman as vice president. And I think this is good for black people to see. I mean, it's nice when we see someone who looks at, like us represented at a high level. But I know that there's a lot of controversy around Kamala um, because of her past. But from what I know about Kamala is that she's improved drastically since she was district attorney back in 2011. And she's continued to make strides um, as far as with the justice reform. So, look, it's between Trump or Biden. I mean, it's like 
you got to pick one or you just don't vote at all. I mean, it's pretty simple, but again, I am, I, I think it's nice seeing her being represented for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited that they picked Kamala aside from everything else. I need everyone to understand how important representation is. So we can't get caught up in everyone being this perfect candidate. Our political party two party system provides that we have a Republican candidate and a Democratic candidate and a Republican vice president and a Democratic vice president. They ain't gonna be perfect. Okay, this is what we got. <laughs> so if you upset about what we have to choose from, go run for office and, and then you can be different. Okay, or get involved mm -hmm. in politics and help encourage people, you know, new leaders to get involved in our political systems and come up through our political parties so there can be change. But until that happens, these are our best and brightest. So this is what we got to choose right. from, all right? And guess what? You're gonna have to make a choice because we're not doing this no voting stuff anymore, okay? Right, People yeah. fought, bled, and died for your right to vote. People all around the world fight, bleed, and die for their right to make a choice about who their leaders are. So if you don't vote, it's the same thing as saying you don't get to have an opinion for the next four years. That's how that works. I don't wanna hear nothing yep. you gotta say, no complaining. <laughs> you just fall in line and do whatever you're told to do because you've chosen not to weigh in on what candidate you feel will be better for you. And I, wh however you vote, okay? Mm -hmm. Listen, I think I think you could probably guess who I'm not voting <laughs> for, all right? But that's neither here nor there, all right? You gotta go vote. I'm excited for Kamala. I'm excited to have a black woman in office. I'm excited to have representation. She is an accomplished woman. She is certainly qualified. So whether you like her history or what she's done, as you've mentioned, she's come a long way. And we cannot yeah. ask for progress and perfection in the same in the same breath. That doesn't that doesn't make sense, guys. If you're perfect, you don't need to change anything. So we don't have perfect perfect candidates, like we don't have perfect people, and we never will. And until we have more options about who can be our president, we're gonna have to pick between these two. That's how it works right now. You can complain about reality mm -hmm. or you can change it. And right now, this is what we got. <laughs> so you're gonna have to go vote. <laughs> all right. And don't get so don't get so caught up in being woke that you are you're not gonna vote. There ain't no such thing as too woke to vote, okay? No such thing. That doesn't exist. That just means that you are uh, you are a non-solution-oriented person, which means you're part of the problem. That's it. That's it. Because this is the reality that we live in. In reality, we've got Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Donald Trump and Mike Pence, and you got to choose between the two of them. Make your choice. That's the world yep. we live in, and you're gonna have to vote. Anything else is unacceptable. So I don't want to hear about, uh, you know, what Kamala did and what Biden did or what Trump did, what Pence did. This is what we got. This is where we live. So we got. This is all, <laughs> this is all we got to choose from, guys. All right, you guys go this way or that way, and that's it. And I don't like it either. Okay, and I'm I'm an independent, so I don't get attached to political parties. I just want to make choices based yeah. off of what's what's best for me, minds, and for people who I feel like need help. Okay. So I'm not a I'm not a one issue voter, and I'm certainly interested in having more options in the future. <laughs> but until then, <laughs> we're gonna have to make a choice, and that's what it is. So happy to see Kamala on the ticket, and uh, um, we'll, we got a we got a couple months a uh, rough months ahead of us <laughs> on this, <laughs> this political race because we are in it right now. I mean, people talking crazy out here. I don't know. Like you said, you gotta pick pick one. You gotta pick. <laughs> 
So um, Megan Thee Stallion confirms what we already knew, that Tory Lane shot her. I mean, it honestly sounds crazy saying that out loud. I mean, she went on live and talked about what had happened that night, and she felt the need to speak on it because of all the lies that was coming out. She wanted to clear her name. But it's so crazy because she's the victim, and there's no justifying what happened for her to be shot. I mean, I've said this before. Um, it's heartbreaking. I mean, she kind of even got into how she was... Um, she actually was saying that she was scared to tell the police what had happened. Like she was protecting him because in fear of her safety for being black in America. I mean, that is black people's reality. That is our reality. I mean, this whole thing is just super traumatic. It makes me really angry. And I honestly hope, Joy, that she just presses charges. Yeah, this was not surprising news to me. And it wasn't really surprising why she did not say anything either. Uh, I, I wasn't surprised that she didn't want to call the police. And she's right. You know, when listening to her talk about it, 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 the explanation makes perfect, reasonable sense. Why would you want to call the police with everything that's going on to tell them that you guys have a gun in the car and someone's been shot? Okay. And, and she's even afraid of the hospital, right? It, it's all perfectly reasonable. But here's my issue with all of it. You can't win with the internet, right? So if she doesn't say anything, we all just make assumptions and then Tori can lie and we just keep saying, you know, why doesn't she speak up and why doesn't she say something and why doesn't she tell us what happened and blah, blah, blah. And maybe she deserved it and this and that and the third. And everyone's got their little opinion on the situation. And then when she talks, she's a snitch or, you know, why did she protect him for so long? Or, you know, she should have called the police or she should press charges or... How about she just does whatever she wants to do because she's the victim. And this whole thing about, you know, like she must have done something to cause this. No, 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 no. All right. Mm -hmm. We can't be out here speaking out of both sides of our mouth here. Make a decision. Are we protecting each other? Are we protecting black women or we're just like, no, it's fine. So it's only cool when you can buy a shirt. All right. Like, like keep it, keep it 100 and keep it consistent. She didn't do anything wrong in the situation. She protected him after she was victimized. And then when she talked about it, now all of a sudden she's a snitch. There isn't a wrong time to tell the truth about when someone uh, abuses you or causes you physical harm. She did the right thing. She protected him, which she did not have to do. And then after she came out and spoke her truth, then people want to be mad at her for no longer protecting him. She doesn't owe him anything. He could have killed her. He could have completely altered her career. And now she's still supposed to protect him? Hell no. She did everything she was supposed to do. The only thing I wouldn't have done if I was her is give in to whatever the internet wants. Because who cares? Because you can't make anybody happy. Make yourself happy, boo. I support everything that she's doing. Obviously, I'm a fan. But I also feel like she is you know, a role model for young women who are coming up in this business. And this is a serious situation that could have been much, much worse. And she went out of her way to protect other people, which she didn't have to do. And now she's getting crushed for telling her truth. Tell your truth. Tell everyone to kiss your ass. He's a piece of garbage for shooting you for no reason. Even if he had a reason, what is the reason? Was she trying to kill you? Because that's the only reason right. to shoot someone. It's inexcusable. And the silence around the, uh, around the industry deafening and on top of that i was looking day and night just scrolling looking just just trying to find all the men that were in my mentions about WAP, but don't have anything to say against about violence against women so i don't know i guess they all got lost and saw something like where'd they go girl I don't know. ghost speak on it <laughs> have nothing to say about it could couldn't wait to tweet me about uh how you know uh women need to be protected and spoken about in a higher higher regard and wop, 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 wop. And then, uh, oh, oh, Megan actually uh, got shot and was harmed. Like, where, where are you? Oh, I can't find you. You're lost. Where are you? 
oh, you, oh, oh, you were just you were just speaking out of this, the side of your face about some morals that you really don't believe in. How shocking. I'm I, for one, am personally shocked that you actually don't have any morals and you're just running your mouth. Um, sarcasm all the way through there. My point is, shout out to Meg for telling the truth. I appreciate her for doing that. She did not have to protect him. He's canceled. And moving forward, let's just keep it consistent with, you know, protecting protecting black women. Like she did not need to go through that. And she did not need to be called a snitch for telling her truth. Just stop right. throwing the word snitch around. Stop it. You don't know what that means anyway, okay? <laughs> when you're not doing anything wrong and you tell your truth when you get shot, that does not make you a snitch. Just, mm-hmm. no, stop it. Maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm not. Ooh.